Welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Well, I'm the real Who Gibson, that's who. It's time for Disney History. As some of you may already know, Pirates of the Caribbean almost didn't make it to the shores of Florida swamplands when it opened in 1973 at the Magic Kingdom. In fact, guests almost didn't know how close they came to experiencing a different type of ride altogether. One that would have floated them down the banks of the Mississippi instead of sailing around the Caribbean. Instead, we almost got the most famous attraction that never was, the Western River Expedition. The Western River Expedition began its life as an attraction for Riverboat Square, a proposed indoor Disney theme park that was proposed to be built in St. Louis, Missouri. Mark Davis, the Imagineer famous for his work on everything from the Carousel of Progress to the Enchanted Tiki Room, proposed his boat-based attraction as a recreation of the historic journey that Lewis and Clark made through the American West. Walt loved the idea and asked Mark to expand on it. When the St. Louis Park was canned, Mark refused to let his idea go to waste. When it came time to plan for Walt Disney World, there was much debate about including pirates in the park. It was thought that, though extremely popular in Disneyland, it did not belong in Florida because the state's history was already filled with stories of real-life pirates. They thought it wouldn't connect to the audience and thus would be a failure. Dick Irvine, chief executive in charge of WED at the time, put a call out for any new ideas. Davis, who wasn't completely satisfied with how pirates turned out anyway, thought back to his Lewis and Clark idea. He believed that, with some tweaks to the original ride's theme, he could create an attraction that would surpass even Pirate's popularity. The attraction would now focus on the Wild West of American lore, giving guests an overview of this historic time period and allowing the attraction to integrate better with its Frontierland surroundings. Davis got quite ambitious about the project, so much so that bigger and better might not be the best words to describe it. What Davis envisioned for the Western River Expedition seemed like it could be an entirely new land for Walt Disney World and a whole new dimension of realism for Frontierland. His idea for the ride itself would have to be encompassed in a massive show building, one that would have been three times the size of Splash Mountain. Davis came up with the genius idea of hiding the building in plain sight by making it part of the actual theming of the ride itself. He proposed that the building be dressed up like a mesa, one of the flat, tabletop-like mountains found in the west. The top of the mesa would be open to guests so they could take in the sure-to-be-breathtaking view of the entire park. To give guests another reason to visit the top, Davis suggested an Indian village for them to explore, along with a runway mine train built to run on top and down the sides of the mesa itself. The ride itself, if it had been built, would have definitely rivaled Pirate's popularity. It started in a lonely canyon at dusk, taking guests up a waterfall in a boat to meet a singing cowboy and his chorus of cows. They would then glide past scenes of desert wildlife, bandits robbing a stagecoach, Indian rain dances, a gunfight between the sheriff and bank robbers, and the town of Dry Gulch during a typical day in the Wild West. The ride would have ended with a daring escape from the bandits in a forest fire by plummeting down a waterfall under the safety of the canyon. You would have been guided through your journey by Hoot Gibson, 
an audio-animatronic owl who would offer advice along the way. Much like other attractions, a single song would serve as the unifying theme between scenes. This country western tune, a comical ditty about life in the Old West, would be heard throughout the ride. Davis also injected his trademark humor into nearly all of the scenes. Singing Cactus would join in on the choruses and drunken cowboys, along with their horses, would sit in on the roof of the saloon, firing their six shooters into the air while the barkeep tries to talk them down. Dick Irvine and Roy Disney were very impressed with what Davis came up with and asked him to build a scale model of the ride's interior. Those who were lucky enough to catch a glimpse of this model have said it was the most impressive thing that WED has ever produced. Had the project been approved, it would have been the most ambitious ever taken by WED and the most expensive. Unfortunately, that's one of the primary reasons why the Western River Expedition was never built. The scale and scope of the project scared Dick Irvine, who already thought their resources were stretched too thin. He first pushed off the project to phase two of Walt Disney World's opening, to be built and opened at a later date. Park maps showed an image of it, marked as coming soon. Eventually though, people started to ask where the pirates were that they heard so much about. Soon, it became so much of a demand that they had to build it on the East Coast, even in its truncated form. When the energy crisis of the early 1970s hit, it wreaked havoc on Walt Disney World's attendance. The estimated $60 million cost of the Western River Expedition didn't look like a feasible option for the park to invest in. That and a declining interest in the Wild West lifestyle caused them to shelve the project pretty much permanently. But, as Walt often said, get a good idea and stay with it. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad stemmed from the original idea of Big Thunder Mesa and the Western River Expedition. Also, Thunder Mesa, the home of the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland Paris, also came from that original idea. So while we may never get the attraction like Mark envisioned it, we at least get to experience it in some form. Western River Expedition still remains one of the greatest rides that never were, and will always be left wondering how things could have been. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. From Dreamer to Dreamfinder has just been released, and it is 295 pages of amazing awesomeness. This is Ron Schneider's professional memoir, yet it's more than that. Most adult Disney fans know Ron Schneider as the Dreamfinder from Journey into Imagination, uh, when he portrayed the charming wizard from 1983 to 1987. But after devouring this book, I am shocked by everything that Ron has done over the past 40 years. Just like George said, I was totally blown away by some of the things Ron had to deal with and overcome in all of his years in the business. What really struck me was the incredible amount of information that Ron packs into this book. This is quite possibly the best unofficial manual about theme park and entertainment performers ever written. Even for people who don't want to be performers in theme parks, this is an amazingly entertaining book. Ron makes the material incredibly approachable and it's like super funny too. And as a performance guide book, it's invaluable. And as a memoir, it's incredibly rich and extremely entertaining. Yeah, I, I ran across so many amazing quotes from the book and surprisingly, he actually talked about a bathroom break. Which was awesome, by the way. Which was great. So Ron is taking a tour of the studio archives from Dave Smith, and the archives have barely been open at any time. So he's getting this very personalized tour. And here's the quote. 
I'm suddenly struck with an overpowering urge, the kind no man can resist. So I ask Dave where the bathroom is. I fully expect to have to go back out into the hall to use the men's room, but he points to an adjacent door and I step into Walt Disney's personal bathroom. I would have known it anywhere. The wallpaper is covered with small graphics of antique steam trains. Humbled, I take a seat. The book is just full of great stories like this as he meets and works with so many Disney legends like Wally Boke from the Golden Horseshoe Review is one of my favorites. No, that bathroom break really got me super, <laughs> super jealous. And maybe some people might think it's a little TMI, but I thought it was a great little addition to the book. But mm-hmm. while we're throwing out some quotes from the book, uh, this one really stuck for, with me, and it's from when Ron was working as a Dreamfinder. And it goes, uh, One day I'm working upstairs, surrounded by guests and having a swell time, when I notice a young man with a clipboard and a hand clicker standing on the far side of the room watching me and clicking away madly. Once I've worked my way through the waiting guests, I amble over and ask what he's doing. I'm counting the number of people you're affecting. Not just the ones who interact with you, but the number that stop and smile or stay any, any length of time. You're averaging about 600 people every 30 minutes. That, to me, shows the incredible value of these walk-around characters that not only at Disney, but other theme parks also. And this really adds to the impact that Ron had on many child's memories of early Epcot Center. Now, being able to remember these memories of an interaction with Dreamfinder, if only briefly, briefly, brings me back to this really warm, funny, fuzzy place of my uh, younger years. But working at Disney was really just the tip of the iceberg for Ron, and there were so many things that came before and after in his career. Yeah, for someone who actually spent about 20 years employed by Disney, writing and acting, being on stage, he spent just as much time working at Magic Mountain, Universal Studios Florida, and various dinner shows in California, Florida, and Canada. I was completely blown away by the range of characters and jobs that Ron did over the years. He managed and ran a popular dinner theater at Universal, and even had the ear of Jay Stein, president of Universal, during his many years as creative writer at Universal. I think people will be amazed at just how many beloved theme park and entertainment attractions that Ron actually had his hand in. But of course, with all the good comes the bad. Ron, you know, he has a good job portraying his frustrations during his various jobs without coming off as cynical, but some of the things that management did will leave you scratching your head and wondering who put these people in charge. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and and you also see the slow change that, that seems to permeate every theme park endeavor. New ideas, fresh thoughts, and a willingness to wow guests slowly turns into a moribund process that is more about efficiency than creating a lasting guest experience. And it seemed like this happened every time Ron worked somewhere, uh, no matter how successful it was. And it's sort of, you got the idea that, you know, Ron fought the law and either moved on or was seen as a champion. And not to spoil any parts of the book, but I was especially surprised at one section where Ron is helping to run a theme restaurant, both in a managerial and creative aspect. And his ideas were loved by the staff, but as soon as upper management found a way to make things more efficient and cost-effective, it was like bye-bye to Ron's ideas and hello to the penny-pitching. How he deals with each of these situations that arise are unique in their own way and truly show off Ron's diverse style of creativity. Even if you approach this book solely as a Disney fan, or even as a Dreamfinder fan, you're still going to find plenty that will keep you entertained. Ron has a great style, and you will find yourself immersed in his world and the worlds of his character. 
it's obvious to both of us that we both love the book and feel that it should be in every fan's collection. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. Yes, men. Engineering Associates. No challenge too big for our yes men. We know, no, no. Don Edgarin, Chief Engineer. This window, located above the Silhouette Studio on Main Street USA in Disneyland, honors Don Edgarin. Edgarin was a member of the structural engineering firm Wheeler & Gray when he was assigned to work with Walt Disney Studios in 1954. He worked on structural design and technical aspects for Walt Disney's theme park project. He was also an on-site chief project engineer during Disneyland's construction. Impressed with his work during Disneyland's early years, Edgren was offered a position with Wed Enterprises in 1961. As an engineer, Edgren was a problem solver. When other engineers said it couldn't be done, Yes Man Edgren was able to build the Matterhorn as a hollow structure with tracks, toboggans, waterfalls, and the Skyway passing through. He led the engineering teams that created Disneyland's New Orleans Square and transformed the Pirates of the Caribbean from walkthrough to ride. Involved in Walt Disney World's master planning, Edgren was promoted to Vice President of Engineering in Orlando in 1969. In 1972, Edgren returned to Glendale, California as Engineering Vice President for Wet Enterprises. Under his supervision, engineers created the first Space Mountain for Walt Disney World in 1974. In 1979, Edgren coordinated the engineering for Tokyo Disneyland. He also supervised the Disney exhibits for the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. He retired in 1987 and was named a Disney legend in 2006, just a few months before he died of a stroke at age 83. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. A doorway halfway through the current Journey into Imagination with Figment ride offers tribute to the original attraction that opened in 1983. The sets of the current ride are made to look like the halls of the Imagination Institute, where Dr. Nigel Channing leads a team of researchers who specialize in all things imagination. The Dreamfinder, beloved and sorely missed former host of the ride, is now referenced just after the Smell Lab on a door that is labeled Dean Finder a clever, hidden tribute to the man who helped bring Figment into our world. Sharp-eyed visitors can spot another reference to the Dreamfinder in the Upside Down House, which includes a segment on the TV where Figment dresses up in Dreamfinder's distinctive clothing. Hey George, did you hear the awesome news? Awesome news? Yeah. Did we... I win the Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, neither, actually, because one oh. of them doesn't exist and the other one, no. But. <laughs> <laughs> we actually just sold out all of our tickets for our live show in September. So thank you to everyone who bought tickets, and we can't wait to see all you guys oh, out thank there. Thank goodness. I was so sick of saying micechat.com slash store. Micechat.com slash store. But, you know, I've got even bigger news than that. What's that? Uh, just got a box at the house today full of Communicore Weekly t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got, uh, well... If you've been watching the show, and if you're listening to it, you should go watch it. You can actually see the new, t the new t-shirts, right? Yes, we are currently wearing them right now because we've been wearing the other ones for 29 weeks. So it was time so, for a change. Not too bad. We were starting to get some complaints. We've got a fantastic red eye break for Bob Around's boat with a great Bob Around logo on the front and Communicore Weekly on the back. And we've got an okay green shirt that says I'm a smart one. 
whatever that means, with Communicore Weekly. Well, wow. wait, wait a second, wait a second. I think what? you had I they were I think they were mixed up. I mean, the Bob Brown one was okay, but the Smart One one was like the great one. But, uh, I don't know. We, and, we may have and, to put this to a vote. We may have to put this we'll, to a vote. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But we will have them up for sale very, very soon. Not quite yet, but we will let you know when they're up, and uh, you will be able to get them. Uh, I thought we were done oh, saying this. Oh, Oh, man. But At micechat.com slash store? Yeah, that's where they're going to be. So we're not oh. done saying that yet, guys. But don't worry. We will let you know when they're up, and uh, hopefully you guys will buy them because we like them, and we are going to wear them. So hopefully you will, too, because we're cool. And we'll wear them all at the same time. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for watching. Yeah. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes. And, and you can email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. And follow us on Twitter. I am at Imaginerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week on Communicore Weekly. Fiji water. <laughs>